You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. Are y'all ready for tonight? I'm, I'm, I'm really ready. I'm excited. Uh, tonight is going to be special uh, because uh, a, a guy that, has, uh, that is a good friend and becoming more and more of a good friend to, uh, for me, to me, is here tonight, a guy named Coleman Maxwell is going to be preaching tonight. I want to I kind, of, uh, kind of set this up, give you a little context on my relationship uh, with Coleman. So I used to be a college pastor out at Texas Tech uh, University. I was there for a little over four years. And while I was out there, uh, I led a Bible study that, uh, um, you know, it was, I don't know, I led a Bible study, okay? And uh, Coleman uh, started coming, and not his wife at the time, but his wife, Megan, who's also here tonight, uh, started coming. And, uh, and long story short, I ended up um, needing to uh, lead a different Bible study. Um, and so I wasn't able to lead the one I was leading as much. And actually, I think even before that happened, um, you know, Coleman and I started to hang out and we started talking. And uh, we just decided, hey, why don't we tag team this thing? And so uh, asked Coleman to start co-teaching this Bible study with me. And uh, man, first of all, this dude has a gift from the Lord. Uh, to teach the Bible, which is awesome, and I can't wait to sit under his teaching tonight. Um, but it was just incredible to see what happened to that ministry as he started teaching. Uh, he ended up being on staff, uh, so we got to be on staff for a very brief time together before I came here, and then he stayed there, and while he was there, he ended up uh, uh, being one of the chaplains for the Texas Tech football team. Uh, now he lives in Fort Worth, and he's one of the chaplains for TCU's football team, as well as working with FCA and doing some other stuff. Uh, but here's another important thing you need to know, Okay. Some of you really need to listen to this, especially in the midst of this Relationship Goals series. So Megan was also going to this Bible study that Coleman was going to, and uh, they met, and uh, Coleman was like, dang. Uh, and, uh, and so I don't want to, you know, he may share stories, I don't know, but uh, they met, they fell in love, and now they're married. So uh, I'm just telling you, there's something that happens in the ministries that I lead, and for the longest time... For the longest time, because I didn't get married till last April, okay, 32 years old, finally happened. Uh, and uh, I, for the longest time, I'm thinking, what the heck, man? Like, everybody that comes to my ministry is getting married, but it ain't happening to me. Uh, and he was one of these fools that got married and, uh, before me. But uh, anyways, I love both of them so much. And uh, I was going to say something else. I can't remember what it was. But uh, I'm so excited that, that Coleman is here tonight. So y'all help me welcome uh, Coleman to the stage. Check, 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 check. Hey, what's good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's good, man? Hey, I can't tell y'all how hype I am to be amongst y'all tonight. It's a big deal. Like Austin said, uh, tough to put a word on the ground. I put it up here, water going on the ground. Um, yeah, yeah. It's been that type of day. Uh, man, I love Austin. Uh, we go way back, like four flats on a Cadillac, you know what I mean? And so, uh, man, it's crazy, man. I've learned so much from this, this cat, and uh, it, just, it just goes to show how important discipleship is and how important it is for you, you guys and gals, to surround yourself around people who want to see you grow in your walk with the Lord. And so, man, I'm thankful, and, and it's cool to see God's providence that in 2016, he would allow me 
uh, to come and serve alongside Austin in various ways. And so, uh, super crazy. Uh, big shout out to the wifey, Megan Maxwell. You know, raise your hand. You know. Yeah, she be trying to act shy. She ain't shy at all. So, uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, we, we always argue uh, because I always tell her that uh, she, uh, she winked at me whenever we was kind of hanging out. And uh, she denies it until um, the cows come home. But I'm like, yo, it's okay. You was feeling me? And that's, hey, that's what it is. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, man, uh, it, it really is an honor to be amongst y'all tonight. I don't, I don't take this lightly because this season of life is so monumental for you guys. Uh, it was monumental for me. It was monumental for the wifey. Um, it was monumental for Austin um, when he was involved in college ministry. Um, it, so this right here is a blessing to me to be in front of you guys and gals. And so um, here we are. We find ourselves in this relationship goal series. Relationship goals. You know what I mean? That's what's up. And so the question that I have to ask is, why in the world are we doing a relationship goal series? Why? What's the point of doing a relationship goal series? It's a really big deal that you ask that. You know, and some of you may come up with this answer of like, well, you know, that's, that's the Christian thing to do you, you, at some point. You talk about relationship and about having a, a good, cute Christian relationship, uh, whatever that means. Uh, but that is not, that is not by any means why this series exists here at Overflow Denton. We believe that as Christians, our relationships um, should reflect God and the essence of who he is. Not only that, we believe that when we are doing relationships the right way, a Christ-centered way, that it's very countercultural, counterintuitive, and it's different from what the world defines a relationship. And so this is actually a very important series, relationship goals. It doesn't matter if you're single, dating, engaged, married, it does not matter. This is for you tonight. Not because I have anything prestigious to say, but because God the Father is ready to have an encounter with every one of you tonight. Hey, let that sink in real quick. God the Father is ready to have an encounter with each and every one of you tonight. So my challenge to y'all is that you would be teachable and that you would be vulnerable to Christ romancing your heart towards the gospel and away from worldly perspectives. So relationship goals. And, and I like uh, that Austin set the thesis, the premise of this series by saying God gave us relationships for one reason, to help us carry out and complete his mission. Don't get it twisted. God gave us relationships for one reason, to help us carry out and complete his mission. What is his mission? To make his glory known throughout all the aspects of the earth. 
and, and how much of a privilege it is that he would create us and, and use us to display his glory. That's a big deal. He would create us. And, and he didn't have to create us. God is super grown. He could do this all by himself. But because of his love and his grace and his mercy, he created us as humans to di- help display his glory, his mission, his mission that he is better than anything that he created. His love is better than what the world tells us that love is. So his mission is, is multifaceted and so important. God gave us relationships for one reason, to help us carry out and complete his mission. And uh, he also said, apart from a relationship with God, you cannot fulfill God's mission in a relationship. Let me repeat that again. Apart from a relationship with God, you cannot fulfill God's mission in a relationship. Why is that? It's because a relationship apart from God is heavily built on self-sufficiency. Your human strength, your, your, your own human ideas, which are extremely flawed. So let me read that again. Apart from a relationship with God, you cannot fulfill God's mission in a relationship. So what type of relationship should we be, should we be pursuing? That's the question tonight. What type of relationship should we be pursuing? And, and I, don't know what, I, I don't know what stages you were in tonight. Uh, but everybody is accountable to this text in Galatians 5. What type of relationship should we be pursuing? A fruitful relationship is the type of relationship we should have as goals. Let me read that again. A fruitful relationship is the type of relationship we should have as goals. We hear that phrase all the time, produce fruit as a Christian. But my fear is that we don't take time to actually be intentional with producing fruit. Some of you may have grown up in church and, and, uh, or, or you went to vacation Bible school and at some point you learned these, the, the fruit of the Spirit, with like apples and oranges or something, I don't know. Um, but, but you can quote them backwards and forwards and call it a day, right? But tonight... I'm asking, when the rubber hits the road, are you producing fruit as an individual? Because I, I must say that, <laughs> that if you aren't producing fruit as an individual, then what makes you think that this will happen in a relationship? And, and I'm only speaking from a takes one and no one perspective. So, so I'm not up here 
as if I have it all figured out. I'm guilty. Tonight, we're going to camp out in Galatians 5, specifically verses 16 through 26. And I give you time to get there. Uh, but, I, but I must somewhat set this up. Uh, this, this book, Galatians, is such an important and serious book. Like, like when I read the book of Galatians, I feel like I see Paul's inner gangster come out. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. And so the tone of this book is very, very serious. For example, starting in Galatians 1, verse 6, Paul says, he's writing this letter to the church in Galatia, and he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. I like this. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As I said, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. So I want you guys to know tonight that, that the tone is serious here tonight. And that, and that this letter speaks to us now in 2016. And, and I, I love Paul's tone in this because uh, the, the group of people that he's talking about uh, were known as the Judaizers. Say, say Judaizers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... Uh, these cats, in a nutshell, were bringing in their own religious rituals and, and they were claiming that you need to do the works of the law in order to obtain righteousness. You need to do X, Y, and Z, and then, you know, this. Not only that, some of the people in the church started to do that. So Paul caught wind of this and went to work. Don't get it twisted. Nah, this is not how it works. As a matter of fact, chapter 3, right off the bat, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as Righteousness. So y'all see that Paul is playing no games. 
Paul is playing no games when it comes to the unadulterated gospel. The gospel that literally regenerates people's hearts and has been doing it for centuries. And I, and I love it because this is a direct charge to us as Christians. If you really believe the gospel, man, you'll do all that you can to stand by it and live by it apart from distortion that many may bring in. And, and uh, <laughs> just the one, one last nugget to show you the tone of this letter. You can go to Galatians 5, <laughs> chapter, I mean, Galatians chapter 5, verses 12. And he says this, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. I wish those who unsettle you, those who trouble you with a different type of gospel, which is no gospel at all. He says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves, exclamation mark. So ladies and gentlemen, the tone of this letter, as well as the tone tonight, is serious. And then we get to, so chapter 5, Paul is just talking about the freedom that you should be experiencing as a Christian through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit only. And so we see like it, Paul take a turn at this point, and I, and I love it. And so we get down to verse 16. Well, let, actually, let me, start, let me start with verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then we get another but. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things... There is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So ladies and gentlemen, before, pu- before pursuing a relationship with someone you're attracted to, you must first cultivate the relationship, your relationship with God. Let me say that again. Before pursuing a relationship with someone you're attracted to, you must first cultivate your relationship with God. And, and Austin hit on this consistently for the past two sermons. You really shouldn't even be thinking about a relationship if your relationship with God isn't, isn't running. And so we want to set the standard. Because God is the standard for how you should go about a relationship. So if you aren't taking the time to get to know God the Father, then how can you really flourish in a fruitful relationship, the type of relationship that is countercultural, the type of relationship that would cause somebody that doesn't know Christ to be like, man, what do they have that I don't have that I need? So number one, walking by the Spirit is the only way you can do this. Walking by the Spirit is the only way you can do this. So this definitely implies that you must have a personal relationship with God. And we know that once the Holy Spirit has regenerated your heart and reconciled you back to God the Father, you were now able to flourish in a fruitful way. You are now able to really reflect God's image. We must continually walk by the Spirit. So let's go back to verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This is a big deal because uh, I'm all about practicality (laughs) when it comes to solutions, when it comes to remedies. I love practicality. And I feel like Paul is being very practical right here for us. You want to know how not to be a slave to your selfish desires? He says, check this out. I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And contextually, what Paul is really saying, follow the spirit, follow the leader. The Holy Spirit in you, follow his counsel. This means press in to what God is trying to do in you. And I'm guilty of this. Because there's, there's times where I go weeks without getting in my word and getting to know God um, for who he is. Austin talked about how intimacy is to know and to be known. And when it comes to a relationship with God, that's what it is. To know God and to be known by God. 
verse 17. Uh, I love it because uh, I had this image of when I used to watch cartoons on Saturday. Um, I can't remember which one. Maybe it was Tom and Jerry. Uh, maybe not. It was somebody else. But cartoon character was thinking about a decision that he wanted to do. And it was that uh, angel on one shoulder <laughs> and that devil on the other. You know what I mean? And, and they just in, in this, this cat's ear the whole time, right? And uh, that just, that's kind of the image that I get. But that doesn't completely embody what's going on here. Verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We must continually walk by the Spirit. Why? Because sin never sleeps. But, but guess what? The Holy Spirit never sleeps either. And, and here's what we also know. That God is madly in love with you and he is in hot pursuit of you. So Paul is like, hey, sin never sleeps, but the spirit never sleeps either. As a matter of fact, he says, for these are opposed to each other and to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Other translations say they're in conflict with each other. So, so to me, this further shows that God really cares about you that he would put up a fight against the fleshly desires woven in you. That's true love. Also, the Spirit helps us conquer the flesh. The Holy Spirit is, is often known as the, the guider, the counselor. I love this because, man, the Holy Spirit is, is in us, leading us. And I said this a while back to you guys whenever I was uh, teaching at y'all Sunday school, but the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something ungodly. I don't know if y'all heard that. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something ungodly. So what that means is, why wouldn't you walk by the Spirit? That's a question I have to ask myself. We must also walk by the Spirit because the battle is indeed, my brothers and sisters, intense. We are indeed in the midst of a spiritual warfare. And we see that back in 17 when, when Paul says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The battle is intense. But I love how, how the Bible always gives solutions. You, you go to Ephesians 5 and you can look at the armor of God. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6. 10 through 18, and you can see the armor of God. I'm not going to read it to you right now, but, but there's ways to be suited up for this battle. Actually, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> I, I'm really tripping. Like, I can't just tell you about the armor of God and not read it real quick. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle with against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil, withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the, the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the God, word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We must walk by the Spirit because the battle is intense. Number two, be aware of the obvious works of the flesh. So verse 18, oh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is crazy right here. I do want to point out that I often hear people say, man, you know, this world is, is going down the drain or going down the toilet or America is going down the toilet. And, you know, we're at a worse place now than we've ever been. No, sir! We are not at a worse place than we've ever been. When Genesis 3 happened, the fall of man happened, the world had been going for a downward spiral since then. So, so what Paul is talking about isn't anything that should surprise us. As a matter of fact, I would even argue that a lot of the stuff that was going down back then in the first centuries was probably a lot worse. So what Paul is talking about here actually was started to happen within the church. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. The first one he starts off with, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. The Greek word for sexual immorality is porneia. I mean, you said porneia. That's where we get our English word pornography from. And so here's what's important to know about porneia, is that there is no limits to what that means. So that's all types of sexual immorality. 
all types of sexual immorality. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I wish I, wish I had enough time to go through these individually and, and explain these thoroughly. But the point is that these are the works of the flesh. And here's, here's what's even scarier. If you don't have a personal relationship with God, then the works of the flesh, that's your standard. That's your standard of living. So some of you are like, ah, well, you know, I look at this list and uh, I actually don't do any of those things. I'm like, all right, cool. So here we go. Uh, Paul says, uh, verse 21, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And things like these, which embodies a whole lot of other things derived from selfishness. So here's another one that I was throwing there. Self-righteousness. Yeah, yeah. Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is one heck of a drug. Because what self-righteousness will cause you to do is to look at this list and to be like, I'm good. But in reality, you were still operating in a fleshly manner by putting yourself above these things as the Pharisees did, as the Judaizers did. Be aware of the obvious works of flesh. It's a big deal. Number three, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Paul is immediately articulating the freedom that comes from living in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, you don't have to be yoked down by slavery, the slavery of sin. And so this is a big deal. As you obey God's word, these fruits start to show. First and foremost, you have to have a personal relationship with God in order to be fruitful, uh, to experience these fruit, and to reflect his image the right way. Let me point out something. This is, this is a, a, a deep side note. If you believe that there is no God and that science is the standard, then I must ask, how does science define and work out these vices and virtues that Paul talks about? How does the scientific method work these out? Explain these. <laughs> I'll be the first to tell you, this, I love science. God created it to display his glory that way. But guess what? The scientific method cannot explain these vices and virtues, which must mean that there has to be an answer for these. There has to be an answer for, for the vices that we experience as humans, right? So what we know is that uh, God created us to reflect his image. 
Um, and then in Genesis 2, he gave us a command. And this command was set up for our goodness and our satisfaction as opposed to our punishment. Uh, Genesis 3, we chose something different. We chose the fruit as opposed to God's command. And because of our disobedience to God's command, sin entered into the world through our selfishness. And we know that we cannot get ourselves right. We are so far gone that we don't know how to do that <laughs> as sinners. Man, I don't know what that was. But, uh, but thanks be to God out of his love that he would send his son Jesus to die for us, to take the death that we deserve so that way we can now be in right standing with God and produce these fruits. So what in the world does this have to do with relationships, you say? What does it have to do with relationships? Producing fruit applies to the single, dating, engaged, and married. If you're single, this is the eternal and forever litmus test for what you should look for in somebody that you're attracted to. The fruit of the Spirit. If you're dating somebody, your relationship should be producing the fruit of the Spirit. If you're in a Christ-centered relationship, this is the type of relationship you should have, a, a relationship that's full of love, agape love, a love that is unselfish, that puts others before him or herself. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness, someone who is true to their word, just like Jesus was true to his word. Gentleness and self-control. Just like Jesus was gentle when he walked down the road to Golgotha, spit upon, busted up, hurt, tired, full of pain. But gentle is all get out. Because we know that that cat could have sent a thousand angels and murked everybody <laughs> in sight. Y'all laughing, but I'm serious. He was gentle. And he was very, very self-controlled. We're talking about the king of kings that got spit upon, got mocked. was very self-controlled. So in a relationship, that's what should happen gentleness, and self-control. In a marital relationship, this for sure should be happening. Because we live in a society where marriage has become less important. A gospel-centered marriage, God's design for marriage, has been thrown out the window. So a fruitful relationship is the goal. So some of you, when you see a cute couple on Instagram um, and you're like, oh, man, that's goals. You should look at the fruit of the spirit and you should say, that's the goal. Amen. Whether you're single or you're dating or you're married. You can't complete and carry out God's mission in a relationship if there's no evidence of this type of fruit in your life. 
You can't complete and carry out God's mission if there's no evidence of this type of fruit in your life. Only by the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit produces this type of fruit in you. So you can't just call yourself a good person. Or, ladies, you can't say, ah, well, he's such a good guy. I know he's not living the right way. He's not going to church, but he's still such a good guy. No, sir! (laughs) Because the standard is the fruit is of the Spirit. And some of you girls get caught up in saying, he's just a good guy. I don't know what that means. Because I know a ton of good people that have went to hell and didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I must say, because I don't know everybody in here, that there's a possibility that someone in here calls himself good, but is far from a relationship with Jesus. Producing this type of fruit is contagious to the world around you. Look, like I said earlier, the point of having this type of series is that the world would see something different, something more satisfying, that God's glory, God's mission would be displayed through you guys and gals, through your pursuit of relationships, through your relationships, through your marital relationships. God's glory is the standard. When your life reflects the fruit of the Spirit, it is indeed attractive. So, fellas, the, the standard for you is, is the fruit of the Spirit. When, when, when looking for that shawty, you know, that you're attracted to. Hey, but, but your life also should be showing that, too. You should also be producing that. So, check this out. You know, um, I used to go to this uh, study, uh, Bible study, Sunday mornings with my fraternity brother. We walk in this joint, ready to just get, you know, get in the word. And there was this girl, right? There was this girl that, that was on the, the welcome team. And so she would always um, be by the door. And every time I would walk in, she'd be like, hey, Coleman, do you know my name? And I was like, nope. And I would go home by my business. <laughs> I did this for like three months. I literally didn't remember her name because I, I wasn't attracted to her. I was just like, I'm trying to do my thing. And I remember leaving church one day, my fraternity, but I said, hey, doc, I'm going to have to remember this girl's name because she's bugging me, doc. She's bugging me. And she wasn't even feeling me either. So just to be fair, she wasn't. I said, uh, man, I'm out to really be intentional about remembering her name, so she'll stop asking me. And when it was, when I started being intentional, guess what? I started noticing that her life was very fruitful. I started noticing that she was really serious about the gospel, that she was in love with the Lord, and that other girls were being impacted by her relationship with God. And I was like, shoot, yeah, yeah. So long story short, that's Megan Maxwell. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.